Recorded live. We want to welcome you to the worship services of the Homerville Church of Christ. We're about to get started and we'll be with you in just one moment. Um, young, very young child having some problems also. Um, I remember, continue to remember um, Linda Ball. She's, she's still taking treatments. Okay. And uh, with Andrew's mother in law, is it there? Yes. Okay. Remember her. That's terrible. And there's some that's listed on our bulletin, so uh, keep all these in your prayers and hopefully uh, help can be restored back to them. The, um, the order of the worship this evening, leading singing, will be uh, Mitchell, Lord's Supper. Uh, Andrew, me, I'll do first prayer. Evan's got the closing prayer. And then Andrew will do the sermon prayer. Our first song is in the 412. <clears throat> 
kind of gracious heavenly father we're just so thankful for the many blessings lord we're thankful for the opportunity we have once again to come out this evening and study from your word we pray to see with brother andrew as he brings a message to us tonight lord we just pray that you will have a ready ready blessing let us thank you for prayer lord and we pray that we all come with receptive hearts to receive that which is called everything to us and lord we pray that we may do our part in spreading Lord, we are thankful for those that have been teaching and helping others in this area, uh, teaching them the Bible, Lord, and we just pray that much good will come from this in the future. Lord, we pray that you'll be with all of those that have been prayer list tonight and numerous ones, Lord, those that have passed the cancer, those serious health problems, Lord, we just pray your blessing upon each and every one and we pray for be by love, Lord, that their health can be restored uh, back to them. We pray that you will be with our military people, especially those that are in harm's way. We pray that you'll be with us today. We pray for our missionaries, those that are here and abroad, especially those that are in part of difficult places. Lord, we just pray that you'll be with all those spreading the gospel throughout the world. Lord, we most thankful of our son, and he came to this earth and lived an example for us. And we pray, Lord, that we will do our part to obey his commandments, Lord, and we just are so thankful for him that he sacrificed his life that we can have a mission in Canada. Pray now as we continue to service that the things we do will be important to our will. Pray to forgive us for our sins and ask this in Christ's name. Before the lesson, we'll sing number 438. Mm-hmm. 438. Reading how I love to proclaim, reading my double
Mitch, so I chuckled a little bit when you started singing, not because of you, but because of me. You said 438, and I remember that's supposed to be redeemed when I got there, and that was, Lord, we come, uh, Lord, we come before thee now. And I thought, well, that's not what he said. Where am I? Okay. And then you started singing, and I said, I didn't think that was right. I was at 338. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got up here, and I said, I wonder whose Bible that is. That's my Bible right there. I'm, I'm just scattered right now, y'all. I, uh, it's good to see everyone here, and I want you to know I appreciate each one of you. You would open your Bible to Second Chronicles 14. And when you get there, it's kind of like the song before the lesson. If you would, mark your Bibles at Second Chronicles 14. And uh, then when you get that marked, if you would, turn to First Kings 15, verses, and we'll start reading in verse 8. Second Chronicles 14 and then First Chronicles or First Kings 15. And if, if something I say doesn't make sense, just bear with me and we'll try to get it straightened out. Second Chronicles 14, First Kings 15. It's going to kind of go like it did last week in that we're going to read the King's account, then we're going to go through the Chronicles account. It kind of gives us the whole story, or the whole not story, so if you will, but the whole uh, what happened. When you think about folks in our world today, and maybe you could, fact, could describe yourself or fit yourself into this category, probably can. We all want to receive the blessings of the Lord. We want to be able to enjoy peace. How many people are there that seek peace day after day after day, and they go to various avenues to try to find peace? It reminds me, we read it in Kings, and I don't remember the chapter, but also in the book of Isaiah, you'll read where the rapture key comes to King Hezekiah and he says, what is this confidence that, that you're trusting in? I'm, I don't have it memorized exactly the way I should have to just talk about that, but it just came to my mind, so don't worry about it. Just read Isaiah 36 and you'll probably figure out what's going on. But basically the rapture key was a, a general and he came against King Hezekiah and, and, and the folks there and he stands up before them and says, who are you trusting in? You trusting in this broken reed, the Egyptians? Well, they had trusted in the Egyptians, but he points out Egypt wasn't going to save them. He actually asked them if they were going to trust in God, and he, he said, we, we, we whipped other people's God. But he, and Hezekiah, he, or, you know, they, y'all uh, stuff's been torn down. There's no sense in even worrying about your own God. Who are you going to trust in? Trust in me. And folks look around the world today and, and, and trying to find peace, trying to find some sort of security, and people turn to all sorts of things looking for these what they can find in God. But then there are folks who actually turn to God. And they say, I'm going to do what the Lord wants me to do, and they begin to do what the Lord wants them to do. And it may be that they're faced with some great adversity. I told, we had a meeting with me and the elders this afternoon. I told them we were going to talk about these folks, but there's some folks, and Daddy actually talked about them before too, uh, here when he was holding a meeting here. But he knew some folks that they had a business, and it was struggling, and they were trying to make ends meet, and they're trying, it's try, just trying to get through these difficult times, and they didn't understand. They asked for the church to pray for them. They prayed, and they worked, and they prayed, and they worked, and they trusted in the Lord. And little by little, business started taking off. 
But little by little, as the business started to take off, there was a shift in their priorities, and it went from we've got to trust in the Lord and we've got to do this work to we've got to trust in the work and who's the Lord. And eventually they, they went away from the Lord because they got so wrapped up in this business that they wanted the Lord to bless them with. It happens. Tonight we're going to read about King Asa. And of all the studies that we've done in this series, King Asa is one, has been one of my favorite ones, even though it ends very sad. Before we get to that, though, I just tell you, refer. I just refer you to your handout because I didn't grab a paper. But the nugget of knowledge is on the front, and we'll get. You can catch that one this week, and then Lord willing, in a couple of weeks we'll pick up that. King Asa followed in the pattern of these folks, and as we look at King Asa tonight, I want you to consider the great beginning that he had, the things along the way, but then ultimately. The sad ending. First Kings chapter fifteen. We'll start reading in verse eight. Now, um, here in First Kings it says Abijah, and Second Chronicles is going to say Abijah. We're talking about the same person. It's, it's King Asa's uh, dad. First Kings fifteen eight. And Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa his son reigned in his stead. And in the twentieth year of Jeroboam king of Israel reigned Asa over Judah. And forty and one years reigned he in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Maacah, the daughter of uh, the daughter of Abishalom. And Asa did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord, as did David his father. And he took away the Sodomites out of the land. He removed all the idols that his fathers had made, and also Maacah his mother, even and that's his grandmother by the way. His mother, even her, removed. He removed from being queen because she had made an idol in the grove, and Asa destroyed her idol and burnt it by the brook Kedron. But the high places were not removed. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was perfect with the Lord all his all his days, and he brought in the things which his father had dedicated and the things which himself had dedicated into the house of the Lord, silver and gold and vessels. And there was war between Asa and Baasha, king of Israel, all their days. And Baasha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and built Ramah, that he might not suffer any to go out or come in to king to Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa took all of, all the silver and all the gold that were left in the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king's house, and delivered them into the hand of his servants. And King Asa sent them to Ben-Hadad, the son of Tabrimon, the son of Hezion, the king of Syria, that dwelt at Damascus, saying, There is a league between me and thee, and between my father and thy father. Behold, I have sent unto thee a present of silver and gold. Come and break thy league with Baasha, king of Israel, that he may depart from me. So Ben-Hadad hearkened unto King Asa and sent the captains of the host which he had against the cities of Israel and smote Ejon and Dan, Abel, Bethmaacah, and all Sinaroth with all the land of Naphtali. And it came to pass when Baasha heard thereof that he left off building Ramah and dwelt in Tirsa. Then King Asa made a proclamation throughout all Judah None was exempted, and they took away the stones of Ramah 
and the timber thereof, wherewith Basha had built, built it. And King Asa built, it with, built with them Geba and, uh, of Benjamin and Mishnah. The rest of all the acts of Asa, and all his might, and all that he did, and the cities which he built are not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah. <laughs> Nevertheless, in the times of his old age, he was diseased in his feet, and Asa slept with his fathers, and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, his father. And Jehoshaphat, his son, reigned in his stead. So that gives us kind of a bird's eye view of the, the life of Asa and the things that happened during the course of his life. And now we can go to Second Chronicles 14. And this is going to kind of be the layout of, of all that we talk about this evening. As we think about King Asa, he had a great beginning. But because he began to trust in others instead of God, he had a terrible ending. And as we look at his life, again, this takes us back to what we've been talking about, about the king. If they had all simply trusted the Lord and obeyed him, everything would have been wonderful. But when they take their focus away from the Lord to other things, that's when the problems begin and usually increase to their destruction. To begin with, though, as we think about King Asa, let's consider as he paid the price of forgetting God, let's consider his peaceful beginning. His peaceful beginning. This takes us to chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. And we're going to read down through verse... 2 Chronicles 14, 1 through 8. So Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa his son reigned in his stead. In his days, the land of the land was quiet ten years. And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. For he took away all the all, all the altars of the strange gods and the high places, and break down the images and cut down the groves, and commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law. And the commandment, also he took away all the, out, of, all, out of all the cities of Judah, the high places, and the images, and the kingdom was quiet before him. Now, well, we'll go ahead and finish the name. Built fenced cities in Judah, for the land had rest, and had, he had no war in those years, because the Lord had given him rest. Therefore he said unto Judah, Let us fill these, these cities, and make about them walls, and towers, and gates, and bars, while the land is yet before us. Because we have sought the Lord our God, we have sought him, and he has given us, given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. And Asa had an army of men that bare targets and spears, out of Judah 300,000, and out of Benjamin that bare shields and drew bows 200,000. All these were mighty men of valor. To begin with, we have his peaceful beginning, and it says that he had 10 years of peace. Now, as our nation in modern times has been in existence, in the time that, that I've been around, there hasn't really been very many years where we completely knew peace in the United States. We value peace so greatly, there's something called the Nobel Peace Prize. And we admire those who work diligently to seek peace. Asa had 10 years of peace. What a great beginning. But then in this beginning, we find that he had this peace and he continued to enjoy this peace because he got on the path of peace. Do you notice what he did? First thing he does is he begins to get rid of the idols. 
he removes them and, and, and tells the folks to, to seek the Lord. And so we find him rising to God's standard. He was not going to stay where his father had been. He was not going to stay where Solomon had ended up with the temples for the different gods and following their ways and following the strange women in serving their gods. Instead, he begins to remove those things and he rises to God's standard and begins to walk in the way that the Lord would have him to walk and do those things that are pleasing to him. And not only did he rise to that standard, but he also did so by removing those gods. And so that's the, the path of peace following in God's way, rising to God's standard, and removing those things that would detract from staying faithful to God. And in doing this, we find the product of peace, of that peace, and the way of peace, and that is the prosperity that they enjoyed. He was able to build these cities. He was able to, accumulate, uh, to, to have this great army. And as you read these first few verses, everything seems to be going wonderfully in the kingdom. And it seems like it would have been a fairly pleasant place to have lived. Peaceful, they had all these things going on. And finally, we think everything's turning around from the way things used to be. But you know how it is. When you go backwards so far as they had gone, with all of these things going on, it takes a lot of work to get back to where you want to be and where you need to be in standing with God. So there were some difficulties still. For us today, as we think about his peaceful beginnings, we can also think about our desire for peace. And if you and I want to enjoy the peace that only comes from God, we've got to do just like Asa did, and we've got to rise to God's standard. We can't say, I want to have the peace that passes understanding, as Paul talks about in the book of Philippians. I want to be able to lie, lie down at night and put my head on the pillow and to be able to sleep without any words if we're not going to follow God's way. Because there is no security in our world. Now, people make a lot of money saying they can provide security. You may have a, a, a little keypad at your house, most, and uh, you, know, you have that thing and it's tied into some system and people are monitoring your house 24 hours a day. But even those things can fail. If you want to be able to enjoy peace, you've got to get on the path of peace, just like Asa did, and begin to walk with the Lord and continue to walk with him and do those things that he has commanded. We've got to remove idols. In fact, today in our world, we don't think about idols in the United States quite so much as we might think about as we study through the Old Testament. I, it's been a long time since I've gone to someone's house and they had a little statue over here with the, you know, the incense burning for the statue and doing things like that. We don't have that here in Homerville. But do we have idols in Homerville? We sure do. I believe it's in Colossians chapter 3. Paul talks about covetousness, which is idolatry. Anytime anything comes between us and our service to God and our faithfulness to Him, anytime someone becomes more important to us than, than following the Lord, we have developed an idol in our life. It may be money, it may be possessions, it may be a job, it can be family, it can be any number of things, but if there's anything that comes between us and God, we have developed an idol, and we've got to remove it if we want to enjoy the peace that comes from God 
and the prosperity. You could read throughout the pages of Scripture and you'll come across the word blessed, Psalm 1, the first two verses. You can read the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5. And when you read that, the, the idea, some, some, some uh, translations translate that word happy. And it, it's captured in that idea, but the idea is spiritual prosperity. Something that cannot be taken away from us by the outward circumstances of our lives. The only way to enjoy that, the only way to have spiritual prosperity, the only way to have the kind of joy that comes from within instead of from without is to be walking in the ways of the Lord and doing that which is right in the sight of God. We too can enjoy that peace that Asa enjoyed if we're following that way. And we can enjoy that prosperity. But we've got to move on with Asa's life and as we do so, as we consider his life and the price of forgetting God, we've got to consider now God's promise. And this will pick up in verse 9. 2 Chronicles 14, verse 9, There came out against them Zerah the Ethiopian with an host of a thousand thousand and three hundred chariots and came to unto Merishah. And then Asa went out against him and they set the battle in array in the valley of Zephathath and at Merishah. I don't know those of you who are doing the Bible readings, but sometimes I'm good with these names and other times I feel like I've got a mouthful of marbles. As we begin in this section, looking at the promise that God makes to Asa, this promise was, uh, it came to Asa and was prompted by his confidence in the Lord. Here as we begin in verses 9 and 10, we find there's a great problem. There's 1,000, 1,000, and 300 chariots. There's a great military coming towards them. Now, personally, I don't like the idea of that many people coming towards me. I don't care how many people I got with me. If I'm going to have to deal with them, I don't like the idea. But Asa, he, he has this army coming towards him. And he shows confidence. We're going to see it in just a second. But he shows confidence during this problem, during this great trouble. We find his confidence revealed to us in verse 11 in his prayer to hear it. says, Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, is it, it is nothing with thee to help, whether it be many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God, let not man prevail against thee. You hear the confidence? And as he prays this prayer, we're able to see the kind of prayer and the kind of leader that, that, that leaders that we need. Notice in, in this prayer he says, there uh, is nothing with thee to help, whether many or with them that have no power. It doesn't matter how bad the military or how bad the problem is that's coming against us, and it doesn't matter how strong or weak we are, if we're on the Lord's side, there's not going to be a problem. Now, there may be some bumps along the way, but he says it's nothing for you to take care of these things, whether it be against large or, or strong or weak. He goes on to say, help us, O Lord, our God. He recognized the need for help. 
you know, a good leader isn't somebody who just says, we can do it, we can do it, we can do it, and doesn't pay attention to it. We might need some help. He recognized that, and he recognized the source of the help that they needed being in God. For we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. Great trust that he had. The purpose with which he said they were going forth, in the name of the Lord. O Lord, thou art our God, but not man for Everything he says, as the saying goes, is dripping with confidence in the Lord. And then it's seen in his pursuit. Verse 12, so the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled, and Asa and the people that were gathered or that were with him pursued them unto Gerar, and the Ethiopians were overthrown, that they could not recover themselves, for they were destroyed before the Lord and before his host, and they carried away very much spoil. And they smote all the cities round about Gerar, for the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they spoiled all the cities, for there was exceeding much spoil in them. And they smote also the tents of cattle, and carried away sheep and camels in abundance, and returned to Jerusalem. Notice the confidence that he shows in the Lord. First, we've got this problem. He prays, and everything about the prayer says, Lord, we're doing this for you, and we're trusting you to help us to get through it. And then they got busy, and they took care of the problem. If we want to be able to enjoy the promises of God, has he made promises to us? Certainly. Hebrews 13 and verse 5, he says that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Over and over again, we're assured that he is on our side. He wants us to be successful. He wants us to go to heaven. He wants us to be able to overcome the obstacles of this life, and he wants us to help other people to do it. He's on our side. We ought to have this same confidence. In fact, we're the far greater, uh, we're, we're blessed far more than what, Asa and the people of his day and the people of the Old Testament were because we're able to look back and see all that God's done throughout the centuries through the written record of the Bible. We're able to read what he did in sending Jesus to die on the cross. And so our confidence level ought to be great in the Lord. And as we face the difficulties that come our way, whether it be on an individual basis, there may be things that happen in our lives and we think, I just don't know how I'm going to do this. If our confidence is in the Lord, when those difficulties come, we're going to be okay. It's going to work out. We may not understand how. But in those times, it's when we ought to be praying with confidence to our Heavenly Father. Remember in Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, the Hebrews writer tells us that we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. And he goes on to talk about how that we can go boldly to the throne of grace to find grace to help in time of, uh, grace to help in time of need. We have the ability to pray to our heavenly Father, and we can go before the throne of God. And if we are striving to live according to His will, and we're doing what He's commanded in, in our lives, remember Matthew six thirty three: Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That is the necessities of life, and then those other blessings that God blesses us with, just because He loves us, doesn't mean we won't have problems, but we're going to make it. 
He's going to take care of his people. But we can't just stop at prayer and say, well, I prayed about it and I'm waiting on the Lord to figure it out. No, we pray about it and then we get busy doing what we can do about it. And so we, we, we have a part to, uh, to, to do in, in, the, in this, but we also have to be trusting in the Lord. On a congregational level, sometimes there are difficulties that come our way. And it may seem like there's a thousand, thousand, and three hundred chariots coming at us. And, and, and how are we going to get through this? Pray to our Heavenly Father because we know we're trying to do His work to the best of our ability. We tell, take our concerns to him. We trust in him that he's going to be with us to work through it. He may not work it out the way we think it ought to be worked out, but if we're doing his will, it's going to get worked out. And then we get busy doing what we can to help the problem be solved. And by doing that, we can, be, we can benefit and enjoy the blessings that are found in the promises of God by this confidence. But this confidence that Asa had, it was, um, well, it's a word that I don't normally use, predicated. I had to look that one up because I thought I knew what it meant, but I wanted to be sure, and then I forgot it. Predicated on his commitment to the Lord. Notice, you can pick up in verse chapter 15, verse 1, the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Obed, and he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa. And all Judah and Benjamin, the Lord is with you while you be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. It was predicated on his commitment to the Lord. If he was faithful to the Lord, and if he continued to do those things that were right with the Lord, Azariah says, the Lord's going to be with you. You'll, you'll find him. Kind of reminds you of the New Testament, doesn't seek, and ye shall find. But it says, if you forsake the Lord, he'll forsake you. And so it was predicated on this his commitment to the Lord. But not only was this promise prompted by confidence, not only was it predicated on commitment, but also it was promised in the covenant. Continuing in verse 3, Now for a long season Israel hath been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when they in their heart, when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. And in those times there was no peace to, to him that went out nor to him that came in, but, but great vexations were upon the inhabitants of the country. And nation was destroyed of nation and city of city, for God has vexed them with all adversity. Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. As we notice this, we, we find that, that the prophet, uh, that uh, Azariah takes, takes Asa back to the, to the law, back to the covenant. And if you'll hold your thumb there or something there in Second Chronicles, and notice with me Deuteronomy chapter 4, beginning at verse 25. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 25, as Moses is preparing the Israelites to enter into the promised land, he says, When thou shalt beget children and children's children, 
and ye shall have remained long in the land and shall corrupt yourselves and make your graven image or the likeness of anything and shall do evil in the sight of the Lord thy God to provoke you to anger. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that ye shall soon utterly perish from off the land whereunto ye go over Jordan to possess it. Ye shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall utterly be destroyed. And the Lord shall scatter you among the nations, and ye shall be left few in number among the heathen, whither the Lord shall lead you. And there ye shall serve God, the work of man's hand, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou seek, if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul, when thou art in tribulation and, and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God and, be, and shalt be obedient unto his voice, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God, he will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swear unto them. And so this, this statement, these statements made by Azariah to Asa, they're, they're rooted in these things that Moses had told the Israelites before they came into the promised land. If they would turn back, the Lord would be with them. And so we find God's promise made to Asa in this time of peace. And now that moves us to the next portion of his life, and that is his purifying efforts. His purifying efforts. He begins with with a peaceful time, and he is able to to make some progress and enjoy the peace and prosperity. He begins to to work based on the promises of God. But now notice in verse eight, says when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Obed the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of the land of Judah and Benjamin, and out of the cities which he had taken from, from Mount Ephraim, and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. And he gathered all of Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them, with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon, for they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. So they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month in the fifteenth year of the reign of Asa, and they offered unto the Lord the same, the same time of the spoil which they had brought, 700 oxen, 7,000 sheep, and they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their hearts, with all their soul, that, with, that, whosoever, that whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. And they swear unto the Lord with a loud voice, and with shouting and with trumpets and with cornets. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with all their with their whole desire. And he was found of them, and the Lord gave them rest about. And also concerning Maacah, the mother of Asa the king, he removed her from being queen, because she had made an idol in the grove. And Asa cut down her idol and stamped it and burned it or burnt it at the, at the book Hebrew. As we look at his purifying efforts, the things that he, he does here, we find that he begins by removing corruption. He begins to, by removing the corruption, or actually continues to remove the corruption. 
He goes through and he continues to tear down the idols and cut down the groves. He, he calls the people and calls for them to come back to the Lord and to, to dedicate themselves to him. And isn't it interesting that when, you be, when he began following the Lord and began to lead the people to following the Lord, there were people from Israel who started coming down. Now, that's going to be a problem later on because when people get je- people get jealous when their pe- their followers um, defect. But he was getting people out of Israel, and they make that oath and they cry out. They offer the sacrifices, and so he removes the idols, but also he removes an insolent queen. He removes an insolent the insolent queen, his grandmother. Now the fact that he removes the queen that in and of itself is pretty impressive. Because sometimes it's very difficult to say to someone who is of equal or higher authority, you're not doing what's right and you've got to quit that. But here he goes and he has to take his own grandmother, remove her from her position of authority because of the idol she had made, destroys the idol and takes it out of the way. And sometimes we all know this because we all have family members who aren't Christians. Sometimes as we strive to follow the Lord and bring others to him, we may even have to deal with our own family who stands against us and what we're trying to do to be faithful to the Lord. But if we, like Asa, continue on to remove the things that are not what God would have them to do from our lives and to try to help others to remove them from their lives and from our communities, our families, and from our nation, we'll be blessed just as they were. We have to be involved in these purifying efforts. And we've got to look at our own lives and the lives of our family members, the lives in our community, and and try to see what can we do to make things better. What needs to be gone so that we can be who God would have us to be? He He continues by removing corruption. But then in addition to this, we find in what in his purifying efforts, his reach was cut short. Notice verse 17 says, but the high places were not taken away out of Israel. Now, when you look at this, and I've still got to do some studying on this on my own, when you look at this, when they came into the, the, the land of Canaan, um, there, was, there was the tabernacle and it was set up, but there were other places where people worshipped God. You'll read, I believe it was in Gibeon, where, where Solomon goes to the, the, the greatest of the high places. And I could have that wrong, but if I do, I'm sorry, I'll try to fix it. But I believe that's correct. But he goes and he, he offers sacrifices to the Lord. But when Jerusalem is set aside, and this is where the temple is, those high places weren't acceptable. You couldn't just go worshiping God just wherever you wanted to, based on the law of Moses and and, and, and this is the place. Jerusalem was the place. Now, there were some allowances in the law for certain things, for, for hardships and stuff, but you still had to be where God said to go. That's what got Jeroboam, part of what got Jeroboam in trouble. And so you had the high places where God's people would go to worship him, but you also had high places where the idolatrous people would go to worship their God. Now, all of those were gone, but the other high places were still there. And so his reach was cut short because for whatever reason, he didn't continue on to get all of these other places taken down so that people would go to the one place where they were supposed to be. 
and so his reach was cut short by his failing to take care of these things. Nevertheless, it says in verse 17, Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was perfect all his days, and he brought the, into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated unto him, dedicated, and that he himself had dedicated silver and gold and vessels, and there was no more war unto the five and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa. As we look at Asa and these purifying efforts, we find that they ran correctly. He, he was going in the right direction, and he was walking with the Lord. He fell short, but, it, but he continued to walk and do those things that the Lord would have him to do. And when you think about what he had to work with, the reform that had to take place, you remember Solomon and all the temples that he had built and all the strange gods that had been brought into the land as far as the worship of those gods? You remember the things of, of Rehoboam, how he forsook the, the law of the Lord? And now, and then Abijah, and now Asa comes to power. And he said, we're not doing those things any longer. That was a great undertaking. He was able to do it, I believe, because of the confidence they had in the Lord and his desire to be faithful and those trusting those promises that God had made. When you think about your life, and I think about my life, we think about the work that we have before us in, in being who God wants us to be as individuals, as families, as a congregation, as a city, state, country. The, the task could seem impossible, and yet we still have God's promises on which we can rely, and we must rely if we're going to be faithful in taking care of this work and the purifying efforts that need to take place here with us. We can do it, though, because the Lord is with us and we're striving to do his will. Chapter 16 brings us to the problems of Asa, and this is where the, the, the good things because we've got this, this, these wars that are taking place between Asa and Baasha, the king of Israel. Verse, verse 1 of six, uh, chapter 16, the sixth and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa, Baasha, the king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah to come uh, to the intent that he might let none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. I told you. When your people start, when, when the people start leaving, coming to do what God wants them to do, the people that are leaving get upset. Then Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasures of the house of the Lord and the king's house and sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, that dwelt at Damascus, saying, There is a league between me and thee, as there was between my father and my father. Behold, I have sent thee silver and gold. Go, break thy league with Baasha, king of Israel, that he might may depart from me. And Ben-Hadad hearkened unto the king, unto king Asa and sent captains of his armies against the cities of Israel, and they smote, uh, they smote Ejon and Dan and Abram-Mayim and all the store cities of Naphtali. It came to pass when Baasha heard it that he left off building Ramah and let the work cease. And they, then Asa the king took all Judah and they, carried, and they carried away the stones of Ramah and the timber thereof wherewith Baasha, king, uh, Baasha was building. And he built therewith Geba and Mizpah. Here we look at his problems to begin with to find that his reason was clouded. His reason, his thinking was not what it needed to be. His reasoning was clouded. First of all, his reason was clouded because of the worries. What am I going to do? We're having this battle. We're having this problem. What had he done before when there were problems? He turned to God. He prayed to God and had confidence in God and trusted him and it worked out great. 
But now he has worry and he begins to uh, have his judgment clouded, his reason clouded because of the warriors. He had an, a, a league. He had an alliance. And what he does is he says, instead of going to God, I'm going to go to Ben-Hadad. I'm going to get him to fight my battles for me. I'm going to put my trust in him. Now, it doesn't say that in the text like that in those words, but that's what he did. Instead of trusting in God, he trusts in a man. And because of that, we have the beginning of the end of Asa. Continuing on, in chapter 16, verse 7, at that time came, or, and at that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubians a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. Then Asa was wroth with the seer and put him in prison, or in a prison house, for he was in a rage with him because of this thing. And Asa oppressed some of the people the same time. Begin with the uh, seer, and I'm not going to try to say his name any more than I have to tonight, but the seer comes to Asa and he says, don't you remember? Don't you remember the Ethiopian? Don't you remember that huge host? And he takes him back with memories to how he used to be and how he behaved in the past. And with these memories, he delivers a message that says, because you didn't do like you did then, because you didn't trust in the Lord, you trusted in the king of Syria, you had a great victory that escaped from you. When he heard that, he got angry at the messenger. When Asa turns and he, he, he has this problem, he rejects the wise counsel that comes to him from the seer. And in rejecting this counsel, he resists the wealth and the care that had been promised to him and that promise by God. We're going to finish up the chapter now. It says, verse 11, Behold the acts of Asa, the first and last, lo, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Asa in the 39th year of his reign was diseased in his feet until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease he sought not to the Lord, but to the physician. And Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign. They buried him in, the, in his own sepulchres, which he had made for himself in the city of David, and laid him in the bed which was filled with, the sweet, with sweet odors and divers kinds of spices, prepared by the apothecary's art, and they made a very great burning for him. having rejected the wise counsel that came to him. It could have been, remember in David, when David was facing difficulties, when he was being punished for things that he had done, 
He said, I'm going to I'm going to put myself against the Lord. That is, I'm going to receive my punishment from the Lord instead of a man because the Lord's merciful. When this prophet comes to him and tells him these things, reminds him of the past and tells him of the present, if he had repented and turned to the Lord instead of getting angry, it could have been that the Lord would have changed his mind and he could have not had to dealt with the things that he had to deal with from that point forward. Might not have, but he might. But instead of turning to the Lord, he turns away from him and gets angry and rebels even farther to the point where he could have sought the Lord when he was having this disease, this problem with his health, but instead he trusted in the physician. Now, now the, the writer of Chronicles is not telling us don't go to the doctor. But we've got to trust the Lord. You look at Asa's life, he resisted the, the, the wealth and care that had been promised to him by the power of God and also by the promise of God. And as you think about our lives today, and maybe you're somewhere, well, we're all somewhere along this way, but there are folks that are, are seeking peace, and, and there are those who are enjoying the peace that comes from God. There are those who are trusting in his promises. And I hope it's the case that all of us are enjoying the peace and prosperity that comes from serving the Lord and also relying, standing on the promises as we sing from time to time. We're working on those purifying efforts so that we can draw closer to the Lord each day and be who he would have us to be and helping others to be who he would have them to be. But we can't forget that all of that can be lost if we forget God, if we turn against him and turn away from him. You don't get to enjoy the benefits and blessings of God to their fullest extent. Some of them you don't get to enjoy at all if you don't do what the Lord says the way he says to do it. And so Asa shows us the price that it costs if you're going to forget God. This evening, as you think about your life as a Christian, where are you along the way? Are you trusting in the Lord and relying on Him day by day, drawing closer to Him, learning more of His will, delighting in His law? Asa didn't start out with, and he enjoyed great blessings. We can enjoy those same blessings. But we can also have to deal with those same problems if we turn away from them. This evening, as you think about your life, are there things that you need to change so that you can be pleasing to the Lord? Are there things that you need to do differently so that, that you can enjoy those blessings once again as one has obeyed the gospel but turned away? Those blessings are still there, found in Christ, but we only get to enjoy them if we walk with Him. If there's something wrong in your life, we pray with you to repent of it. If there's something uh, of sinful nature. We, pray, we hope and pray that you'll repent and ask the Lord's forgiveness and come back and begin to walk again with Him. We want to help you with that in any way that we can. If you come this evening, let those needs be known as we stand and sing. <clears throat> Come to Jesus, he will save.
Thank you. 